the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, AM 1220 KNOW presents New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 25-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. Today, we're going to talk about one of the bond gurus out there, Jeffrey Gunlock, what he's talking about in terms of the bond market and overall economy. I'm going to talk about the problems with online planning tools in terms of retirement planning. And then how do you go about getting a budget or a list of expenses for retirement? I will tell you that most people don't track their expenses on a daily basis, but at some point you've got to create that list of expenses for retirement and the list of wish list of expenses in order to be able to say, do I have enough to retire? It's even more important now than ever because as we've been talking about, because of interest rates, retirement has become more expensive. Now, Jeffrey Gunlock, one of the bond gurus out there, he's essentially one of the most read stories today. Um, out there in financial news. He did a webcast for Double Line Total Return Bond Fund Clients, uh, one of the largest bond funds out there. And he sees rough waters ahead for financial markets as the Federal Reserve is poised to accelerate the end of quantitative easing and then toward, to, uh, turn towards rising interest rates. Um, <clears throat> now, always keep in mind, you know, the, the, that when you run a mutual fund, you're kind of on the sell side, right? You're... In a sense, if you scare people about stocks a little bit, you're going to get them into bond funds. But at the same time, he's also worried about rising rates, which can be negative on bond funds. As we talked about on yesterday's show, um, as interest rates have gone up a bit, if you look at AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, it's negative for the year. And so when you look at overall core bonds that track that type of index, most of those bond funds are negative for the year. Municipal bonds are positive by a little about 1%. If you have strategic income funds, which are strategic bond funds, which are more go anywhere, which will have some, you know, things like higher yield bonds and, um, you know, pick up different types of bonds in different categories, they tend to be positive for the year. Um, and one of the things he says that he said, keep an eye on investing in the high yield bond market. It's a potential canary in the coal mine for risk assets. This is something I agree with because the yield on high yield bond funds is very, very low. I mean, there's still a decent spread between you know, basic core or lower risk bonds and, and high yield bonds. But high yield bond funds were more typically called junk bond funds when I got into the business in the very early 90s. Junk bonds. What's that mean? It means allocate a small percentage of your money to it because some of them go bad. <laughs> 
but yet as people have this thirst for yield, um, some of the names have changed. Uh, I don't know. Is that politically correctness in the world of finance? Who knows? But high yield means junk bonds, in my opinion. Um, some of the strategic funds that I own own some high yield bonds or some you know lower credit quality bonds, and then they've done well. He says, with debt levels having surged during the pandemic, the increase in borrowing costs is poised to create headwinds for economic growth, and trouble could emerge when short term rates surpass one percent. So, when short term rates pass surpass one percent, the two year yields right now are currently at point six nine percent, which is why your money market and your your uh, Bank accounts are so low in terms of a return. Short-term rates, when they surpass 1%. Now, as we discussed yesterday, rates are up. The AGG, Barclays Aggregate Bond Index ETF is down for the year. Now, not as much as a few weeks ago, because a few weeks ago, um, you know, we saw the 10-year treasury rate hit over 1.65% again. And now it's down. The bond market is already reflecting signs of difficulty ahead as the yield curve is flattening and as ag is negative for the year right now. Um, and so typically you're going to get uh, the, the average bond fund manager worried about the flattening of the yield curve. That means if you're looking at rates on longer term bonds, so if you look at the two-year bond versus the 10-year treasury, two-year treasury versus the 10-year treasury, you know, short-term rates versus longer-term rates. Typically, the the graph goes up and to the right, right? And as longer-term rates come down and the shorter-term rates go up, that yield curve flattens. And when it goes inverted, that's typically one of those points. Okay, we've got a recession that's coming sometime soon. And that's okay. Recessions are normal and healthy. They shake out access so you don't have bubbles, you know, recessions are not a bad, bad thing unless you're the person that loses their job during a recession, right? Right now, in terms of jobs, obviously, it's it's a very tough job market. Most people that I know have a real trouble hiring good people. By the way, if you're a certified financial planner and you're looking to join a team that, you know, we do fiduciary-based financial planning, money management, estate planning, taxes, all of it, shoot me your resume chatachadburton.com because we're also hiring ADP Wealth. But um, <clears throat> Gunlock explained, Jeffrey Gunlock explained that the reason why Fed Chair Jerome Powell characterized his economy as strong, but not as strong enough to allow for rate hikes right now um, is because of, we've got a massive amount of stimulus. There's a lot of borrowing. You know, I look at it though as the PPP loans were, kind of free money in the pockets of a lot of business owners that didn't end up needing it for keeping their businesses afloat. So they used it to really invest in growth. And that's fueling a lot of the inflation and the economic growth right now. You know, that will wear out a little bit, but most business owners I know are having their best year ever. So I don't buy as much of the weakness as he's talking about here. But here are a few takeaways from uh, his remarks, you know, he focused heavily on inflation, saying the annual pace of gains in the consumer price index could hit 7% in the next month or two. Um, and he went through several inflationary measures, but it's, it, he said it's possible the CPI inflation gauge won't drop below 4% throughout 2022. 
and again, that's something we've talked about that it's, we're going to see high inflation for a year or two because we have so much cash in the economy. The supply chain has issues. So that's two things that are pushing. There's more dollars chasing fewer goods that causes inflation. You've got wage inflation. That's going to take a year or two to reset at the lower income levels where those income, you know, that has to rise and then it'll reset. And, um, you know, the, it, it, it'll just take a year or two to play out. Right. I don't, I doubt we get like a decade of super high inflation. Markets could face more volatility now as the Fed has said it might quicken its tapering program. The Federal Reserve is still buying tons of bonds out there, keeping the prices up and the rates low. That has to end. We've got to exit that and then eventually get rates higher um, and, and a little bit more normal. So the Fed has to stop buying bonds before they can say, okay, we're going to start raising short-term interest rates. And so you're going to see a lot of volatility in the bond market. When you see rate movements on the 10-year treasury at 1.65 down to 1.35, that's a large move in terms of bonds. I mean, there's going to be a lot of volatility in the bond market. Uh, Gunlock reiterated that he bought European stocks for the first time in 12 years, which he disclosed a few months ago. We were talking a little bit about that yesterday in terms of five-year growth rates and um, PE ratios. Fundamentally, in terms of PE ratios and, and earnings growth rates on the next five years, foreign stocks look pretty attractive. But I've also been saying that for two years, and we had another year of underperformance in foreign stocks. I still am not giving up on, on, on that area at all. Um, he's talking about the dollar seen structural declines. He bought gold back in 2018, still likes that. And he's saying he's not sure it's the greatest time to buy commodities, given how the prices have already rose. Uh, and for preservation of capital, you recommend short duration bond fund. And if you've been listening to me, that'd be a good idea to, to have that. A couple of things. So first of all, to, to wrap up the thoughts on Gunlock's um, webinar that he did and some of the bullet points, um, he talked about uh, for preservation of capital, a short duration bond fund. Of course, a bond fund manager would say that. Now, an option for a alternative to a short duration bond fund for either an alternative to core bonds or just a place for cash is the uh, guaranteed interest or the stable value fund accounts in your 401k. So, so check those out. So the other day I was working with somebody and they had you know, getting close to retirement and so we're, as you hear me talk about, we always have at least three years worth of portfolio draws as you get close to retirement within five years. Now you can hold that in cash in your normal bank accounts where most you're going to get like 0.25% or so at Ally or Capital 360 or Marcus or some of those other online FDIC insured accounts. Or you could do some swapping, invest your cash in stocks and then inside your 401k, sell some stocks and put cash in a stable value fund, which is going to be more of the 1.3 to 1.6% range. So just a couple of ideas out there to get a little bit more return on your cash, right? Um, doesn't matter which kind of bucket or account that you have it in, as long as you have the cash. And that cash is important. You, you know, it, the, the more invest, aggressively you invest as you get into retirement, the more important it is to say, I need my three years, three years worth of portfolio draws in cash so that if I retire and there's a market correction between my cash and the dividends and interest on my stocks and bonds, and my income from my real estate and other assets that your cash would last typically anywhere from five to seven years, which is 
you know, you can have corrections like 2020 where you get a 40% plus decline in a matter of months and then a recovery in a matter of months. That was a breakneck pace last year. Or sometimes it can take from like 2007 to uh, 2010 to 12 to 13, depending on how your portfolio was allocated in the Great Recession in, in terms of when you recover. So the cash is important. And I know it's not fun to not get a lot of money on your cash right now, but that's where we are. The market, I'm always positive on the stock market. We look at 15, 20 year periods going forward. I just fully believe stocks over 20 year periods average 10, 11%. But when you look at those returns, typically over that period of time of 20 years, you're going to get 70% of the time the returns are positive. 30% of the times the returns are negative. And it's what you do when those returns are negative that makes all of the difference. So it's what you do in that 30% of the time. If you panic and sell and freak out, or if you're forced to sell during a correction because you didn't have the cash on the sidelines, that's when you make mistakes, lock in losses, and mathematically, it makes it tough to recover. So timing the stock market going all in and all out is a fool's game, absolute fool's game. But timing your withdrawals is key in retirement. So I hope that makes sense. I'm not a person that's going all in and all out of stocks and bonds and cash. It's just making sure that you are always assuming the stock market's going to give you a positive return 70% of the time with really good results over 15, 20 year periods, but always prepping for those eventual bear markets. Because every five to seven years, we get those you know, 20% plus corrections that kind of come out of nowhere, come from something people aren't really talking about. And if you set things up the right way, it's typically the best buying opportunity for the next decade. Like, you know, last year, you heard me talk about early in the year in that big correction, how attractive small cap funds were because they'd fallen harder than large cap and the returns have been pretty darn good, especially on small cap value, for example. All right, moving on to the next topic, most online financial planning tools are garbage because it's garbage in, garbage out. And it concerns me because it seems like there's more and more online tools and retirement is more expensive now. We've been talking about that because interest rates are so low. You need to have more money because the balanced piece of your portfolio, the bonds, the cash are paying way less than prior to 2007. And taxes are a lot lower, but they're a heck of a lot more complicated. The 2017 Tax Act really cut taxes for retirees. It was a really good deal for retirees, but there's a lot of disconnections. So there's a capital gains tax bracket, and then there's an ordinary income tax bracket. Your ordinary income can affect the capital gains, but they just don't really match up. It's very complicated. That's why one of our most popular events is retirement income tax planning. Uh, and, and dealing with which accounts to draw from, how to blend capital gains with ordinary income, your tax-free income, and IRA or Roth conversions. It, it's, it's more complicated now than ever before. And it's important to really maximize your tax strategy, which means you're paying taxes lower for longer to help offset that low interest rate that you're getting on your cash and your bonds. Online calculators also can't really model taxes correctly. You just plug in a lump sum. How much have you saved up? Oh, well, X number of dollars. And then it, it models it. It can't, it can't really model the fact that if you have a, a bank account, you've already paid taxes on that cash. 
if you have a normal brokerage non-retirement account, it's not going to model the dividends and interest that you are automatically getting that you're going to be taxed on. It's not going to model that, okay, I'm, I'm selling certain shares per year that have a certain cost basis of the capital gains. It, it just doesn't do the right thing. Whereas when you have a really good detailed financial plan from a certified financial planner that uses software like Money Guide Pro or, or eMoney, which is my favorite, you can really get into the weeds and model into the details. But online calculators, you just plug in a number. It can't model like tax-free Roth income. Another big issue is it doesn't model income gaps, right? Most people these days are retiring at say 65, but they're wise enough to know if they're living into their mid 80s that they should wait until age 70 to take social security. So there's this higher amount of income that you need from your portfolio from age 65 to 70, and then a much lower amount at age 70. But then at age 72, you start having to take required minimum distributions. And most online calculators do not model that. That's a change in your tax bracket. At age 72, you have to take money, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. Um, Even if you don't want to, you have to take it. The only way to avoid it is if you're still working for an employer that, you know, where you don't own the company and and you can avoid your uh, 401k and 403b distributions at that age. Again, online calculators aren't going to get that. Also, you have certain random expenses throughout retirement, right? You, you might model the purchase of a second home, a purchase of an RV, uh, gifting to grandkids for education. Um, did I already say remodel your home? Those types of things. And when you typically do that in a, in a very detailed financial plan, we tie that expense to a specific funding source. We'll identify, okay, here's a, a, an expense that's either one year or let's say it's for five years and then it goes away, but we'll tie that expense to a specific account so that when the, the system draws from that account, it also models the taxation correctly. Online calculators don't do that. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Talking about problems with online calculators because there seems to be more and more out there and more and more apps. And I'm going to talk about budgeting apps in a little bit, which are actually pretty good. But when it comes to retirement income planning and do I have enough to retire? I think a lot of these apps are, are, and online calculators are just awful and can give people a false sense of reality. When, and the other thing is too, by the way, if you're you know paying somebody 1% or more a year to manage your portfolio and you're not getting detailed financial planning, cash flow analysis, tax analysis, you can't look forward and say, this is what my assumed bracket is when I'm 70. Uh, what do my retired minimum distributions look like? My Roth conversions, my estate plan, all that stuff. You're, you're paying too much. The investment side is the easy side. It's all of the other stuff that we do as certified financial planners that, that really make a difference, especially on the tax strategy. So online calculators, here's a big issue with online calculators. It's garbage in, garbage out. So you're plugging in bad expenses. You're not plugging in, you know, here's my cash, my Roth, my, my pre-tax 401k, my, my after-tax uh, brokerage account that has a certain cost basis. Most online calculators, you can't plug that in. So you're getting a horrible 
result in terms of what you're paying in taxes. It doesn't tell you, are you itemizing your deductions? Are you taking the standard deduction? They're just bad. The other thing too, is that throughout retirement, you're typically saying, here's how much cash I have. Here's my portfolio. I'm living off my dividends and interest in my cash, but every quarter I'm selling something that's gone up to rebalance and, and replenish my cash. And online calculators can't really model that. Whereas financial planning software that we use does. It, it, it'll say, okay, we're assuming we are maintaining a certain model portfolio throughout retirement. And if you can't do that, some of these online calculators offer Monte Carlo simulations, which will take your, your situation, your portfolio, and run it through thousand plus different market scenarios. But if you're not modeling, maintaining a certain amount of cash and portfolio reallocation, it's, it's worthless. It's, it's a garbage in, garbage out scenario. Because as you've, if you search back on some of the podcasts that I have, um, you know, it's easy to do on like uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, there's links at chadburton.com. There's the six retirement tests that you can do and you do conservative linear cash flow modeling. If that shows you have enough money to last till age 100, then you can move on to Monte Carlo simulations and get a certain success rate based on your asset allocation, your scenarios, good markets, bad markets, high inflation, low inflation, short life expectancy, long life expectancy. It's very important to run those two tests and have a income plan. And online calculators just don't model that. Also too, you've got to run some different scenarios. For example, if your husband or wife goes into a nursing home at age 75 to age 80 and then dies, what does your situation look like? You need to know that because you need to know, do I self-insure? Do I, uh, you know, can I afford to self-insure for nursing home costs? Do I need to buy some sort of insurance or hybrid life insurance policy? And then at age 80, what if somebody does die, right? And if there is life insurance, online calculators aren't going to show that distribution coming tax-free into the survivor's estate, right? Also, Social Security taxation, it's a bit of a joke. There's there's this thing called provisional income and, you know, essentially somewhere between 50 and, and uh, 85% of your Social Security become, become taxable. And most online calculators don't model that. They don't model also IRMA. That's the Amount from Medicare Part B that you pay at 65, when your income, when your modified adjusted gross income is at certain levels, you pay more than your neighbor for the same coverage for Medicare Part B and D. And that's something that online calculators also don't estimate. So I guess my point is, is that retirement is a huge decision. You go from working and feeding your 401k every two weeks with your paycheck to having most people don't have pensions anymore. So they're living off of social security and their portfolio and maybe some real estate. And to go walk into your you know, employer and say, okay, I'm retiring. That's a big decision. That it's not only a big life decision in terms of people have a tougher time with it than becoming even empty nesters or divorces in some situations because it's such a big life change. But it's hard to go back to work after age 65, especially in places like the Bay Area that's supposed to be is so progressive, it's the most age discrimination I see is in the tech sector. And so walking out is a big decision. So you have to make sure you have a very detailed financial plan before you decide, hey, I want to quit. Now, let's move on because this, this, Jason sent me an email and this is kind of what sparked today's talk on online calculators and, and budgeting 
Jason said, I'm 60 years old and I've been consistently saving 15 to 20%. I feel I'm on track for retirement, but I don't really track my expenses. I'm fortunate enough to have money to invest even after my 401k. How do I begin to come up with a legitimate retirement income number? That's a really good question. And that's honestly a lot of times where when we're doing planning for people, you know, 45, 50 range that most of them don't have an exact budget. They don't exactly track their expenses. Now, our personal financial planning site that each of our clients get at EP Wealth, um, it, people can track their expenses pretty detailed there, just like they can at like mint.com or Quicken. And then it fl- everything flows through to an interactive online, you know, constantly updated financial plan where you can run cash flow projections and net worth statements and things like that. It's pretty handy. If you don't have that option, though, there's a great article by Nerd Wallet. Nerd Wallet is a it's a pretty cool financial site. Um, and it, it's uh, the top budgeting apps for 2021. And I've seen this one move up the list over and over again. It's called YNAB, Y-N-A-B. Um, it's, it's, it stands for you need a budget. And any of these though, guys, is it, you, you've got to really commit to these things. If you're going to open up one of these apps and start using it or, you know, go to mint.com, which is another one that both Rob and I talk about all the time. You are going to have to say, look, I'm going to commit to this for a couple hours a week for six months because it takes a while for the systems to learn your spending and what your spending truly is. You have to look at every transaction, make sure it's category. It's, it's pulling the transaction into the right category Sometimes you'll do something like, you know, pull money out from one account to pay for something else or, or move money around and it'll, you know, double count as a, as two withdrawals. And it, it, it gets a little tricky. It takes commitment, but I think it's pretty important to do as you get close to retirement. So YNAB, which stands for you need a budget and every dollar for zero-based budgeting is something that they talk about. Um, so every dollar is a budget app that helps you track your spending and plan for purchases. It's tailored for zero-based budgeting, which is a method where your expenses equal your income. Um, so <clears throat> that's that's one. Uh, good budget is uh, based on that envelope system. Uh, that, that's more of a, hey, I'm, I'm really having trouble kind of keeping on track with my spending. And it's kind of a Dave Ramsey approach, I guess. There's another interesting one that they mentioned called Honeydew, which is H-O-N-E-Y-D-U-E for budgeting with your partner where you're kind of keeping your expenses separate, but you can actually, um, you know, work together in terms of expenses and give limited access to what you have. So you don't have to like show all of your cash or bank accounts or whatever. You can, I guess, select what information that you want to share. So it's a budgeting app for couples, but you don't really maybe want full disclosure. That's Kind of an interesting one. I hadn't seen that one yet. And of course, there's again, mint.com, um, which was, uh, you know, bought by Intuit slash Quicken. Um, and that's, that's one where, you, again, it's pretty easy. You go in, you can link all of your credit cards, debit cards, bank accounts, and it'll pull in all your expenses and you can start tracking them. And that, that can be pretty handy for retirement income planning. If you want to do a back of the envelope approach, so I'm going to give you my back of the envelope approach and then morningstar.com has a really great article on it as well that we'll cover. But one of the things that you can do is if you think about what is your take-home pay, right? You, you, you have 
your, your gross income from your employer. And then you have some tax withholding, you have, you know, 401k, you have your FSA and all that other stuff. You have your take home pay and that's what you're typically spending. Now, some people have their take home pay and they're still adding to, you know, a mutual fund or some sort of an after-tax investment. So if you take your take home pay, that's hitting your checking account minus your after-tax investing. So your non 401k investing, you got you, you can take that number and divide it by your, your, your one minus your basic tax rate. So let me give you an example on this. And I know math on radio is a little bit ridiculous and early in the morning, but if your take home pay is $8,000 per month um, and you're investing $500 of that in a normal brokerage account or mutual fund outside of, you know, your 401k, that means your take home pay that you're living off of is $7,500 a month. So you say, okay, that's what I'm living off of now, but what are some of my retirement wishes, right? What are, maybe I need to add in another $500 a month that I'll be spending in retirement because I'm not going to work every day and I need to enjoy life. I'm going to go golfing more or whatever, right? Maybe it's travel more or something like that. You've got to add in those retirement wishes. You also have to add in 600 bucks a month per person for healthcare costs because over your retirement lifetime, that's what it's going to cost you between supplemental insurance, Medicare part B, co-pays and things like that. So in this kind of a situation, you're taking your take-home pay, $7,500, plus your retirement wishes, $500 a month, plus health, $600 a month. That's $8,600 a month. That's $103,000 a year. But if you're taking $103,000 a year out of your portfolio, you're paying some taxes. So that's where you got to kind of get smart and say, okay, you got to basically have the idea to be able to look at the federal income tax brackets and estimate how much tax you're going to pay. And I'll give you the formula after the break. And then we'll talk about how Morningstar says you could set a baseline retirement income expense strategy. Talking about creating some sort of an idea how much you're going to spend in retirement. Now, you, you got to realize that your income is going to go up as you're in your working career. So the numbers that I'm talking about is when you're kind of in your fifties, trying to get a back of the envelope idea of how much you're going to spend. Um, typically if you're 25 years old now, you're going to make about 50% higher salary by the time you hit retirement. So your expenses are going to go up as your income goes up. That's just the way people live. But if you're trying to get an idea, you, again, you look at your take-home pay, you minus your after-tax investing, and then you divide by one minus your tax bracket. So for example, if somebody's take-home pay is 7,500 bucks a month, um, and you know they're not going to be investing after-tax anymore, so that's 500 bucks a month that they've been investing after-tax. And we add in 600 bucks a month for healthcare costs, that's 8,600 bucks a month, that's 103 grand a year. That's going to put you in an effective bracket somewhere around 15%-ish or so. You got a 10, a 12, 22% bracket, but your effective bracket is going to be around 15 federal, around nine state. So you take that number, the 103,000, divide it by one minus your tax bracket. Are you ready for this math lesson as you're driving to work? I doubt it. But that would mean that in order to support your spending of 103,000 a year, you're going to need to draw out of your portfolio around $135,000 a year. You get it? So you're adjusting for taxes in the scenario. Now, Morningstar.com has a, a really good, you know, what's it, seven? Yeah, seven step kind of situation to help you uh, figure out what a baseline retirement budget is. 
And the, the step number one, they said, find a realistic baseline. A key point, a key starting point when determining an income replacement ratio is your working income. If you're close to retirement and seek to maintain a standard of living in retirement that's similar to what you have while you're working, using your current salary as a baseline is reasonable. But if you're 40, again, you've got to increase that because you're going to be making a lot more by the time you retire at 65. Step number two, subtract your savings rate. That's what we just did, right? Step number three, subtract any tax reductions. That's important too. Um, it's, this is why I'm, I'm kind of working backwards from take-home pay, but they're saying, okay, when you get your income, you're going to subtract. You're not going to be paying into FICA anymore. You're not going to be paying into Social Security or Medicare or that FICA tax. So you have to adjust for that. Um, step number four, subtract any anticipated housing cost changes. That's, a, that's an interesting one, right? Because let's say you're you know, 15 years into a 30-year mortgage, you don't plan on moving in retirement. You're not going to have that mortgage. If you're 50 now and you're retiring at 65, you're not going to have that mortgage anymore. It's going to be paid off by the time you retire. So see, there's a lot of different things that go into the modeling. Again, another point, online calculators that are free typically don't model that debt payoff, right? And so that's going to change your expenses and your portfolio draws. Now, not every household sees a drop in housing costs. A lot of times people move and or do two residences in retirement, which means you got two cents of utility bills, two cents of property tax bills and things like that. So some people actually add to their housing related costs in retirement. All right. You got to factor in lifestyle changes. That's step number five, because part of a good retirement plan is to try to try to think about like I've said before, what is going to get you out of bed every day? What are you going to do to feel fulfilled, whether it's you know charitable work, spiritual, spirituality, exercise number one, right? Get out of bed and move. Um, and what's that look like? I mean, are you going to be spend? What are you going to be spending on you know healthcare now that you have time to focus on your health? Um. So think about that, your, your lifestyle changes. Are you going to join a country club and go golfing all the time? Those types of things. Step number six, add in higher healthcare costs. Um, they talk about in this one that recent, every year Fidelity has a study that says the average out-of-pocket healthcare outlay for a retired couple was $300,000. Now, I like to factor in monthly costs in my cash flow analysis versus setting aside $300,000. Cause nobody really does that. Right. Nobody sets aside 300 grand and says, okay, out of this investment, I'm only going to draw out my healthcare costs out of this pot of money. Nobody does that ever. Um, so we do it on a monthly basis and then put a 5% inflation on those healthcare costs, but you have to add in those higher healthcare costs because when you're working for somebody, you're typically getting your health insurance paid for when you retire at 65, you have Medicare Part A for free. Medicare Part B is $148.50 a month or more, depending on your income. And then you got Part D, and then you got co-pays and dental costs that typically aren't covered. So you're usually using at least 600 bucks a month per person, inflating at 5% when you're doing your, your budgeting, your, your analysis. So, um, and that's where the higher amount of inflation is later in life. And I've already mentioned the long-term care thing, right? If somebody goes into a skilled nursing facility, assisted living, adult daycare, that's something Medicare doesn't really cover. That's on your own. And so modeling that is important to say, do, 
do I have a little bit extra in case one of us or both goes into a nursing home for a while and then passes away? Um, and then they say step number seven, the final step in all this is, is kind of add a, a fudge factor in. Working through these line items may get you closer to your actual income replacement ratio rather than relying on rules of thumb. So most rules of thumb out there um, are, well, if you look at you know 75% to 80% of your income now, that's what you'll need to replace at retirement. Well, okay, that may be fine. But if you're a person that's retiring, all of your money is in a 401k that's never been taxed. That's very different from a person that has some cash, some after-tax, some Roth, and some 401k. So that's why those rules of thumbs are, are dangerous. Rules of thumb are more like, okay, I'm 40. I'm making X number of dollars now. That's going to go up with inflation. So by the time I'm 65, this is what I'm going to make. And so replacing you know, 75, 80% of that, that's, that's going to be good retirement. It's just to help set basic saving goals in your 30s and 40s. It's not to determine whether or not you're ready to retire. Um, so you, you got to get a little bit more detailed. So I guess with all of this, make sure if you're close to retirement within five to 10 years, that's when you go get detailed financial plan, tax flow analysis, distribution planning, all of that kind of stuff. That's all the things that, that we do as certified financial planners. If you want to find me and get some help with that, just go to chadburton.com. I've got a whole team for you to talk to. That's chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find all the links to the podcast at chadburton.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.